Welcome to the CFC Jacks Midweek Podcast, where we discuss topics related to becoming a fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ follower. We hope that wherever you are today, you'll be encouraged by the truths discussed in this podcast. Well, hello. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. This is Q&A. So it's a question and answer session, an opportunity for you to text in your questions. You'll see the numbers up on the screen. So if anything's kind of stirring around in your heart or your mind this morning uh, from the message, we would encourage you to text it in. Um, just love the book of James. I know I'm saying this every week. Like It's, it's just so practical. Um, it's so interesting when you think about relational messes or conflict, you often think about, okay, well, what was the issue? What caused the problem? Mm-hmm. Not looking at the the true heart issue right. behind it. And so I think that's just such a great refresher from the book of James to bring it back to the true issue. Yeah, um, that, that's interesting because, well, first of all, I didn't take the time to, um, <clears throat> if, if you want to answer the question, why has he embrace this topic in chapter four, simply look at how he ends Hmm. uh, chapter three. What we looked at last week was discerning who is wise, who is wise among us, and and he finishes ultimately with the wise are defined by who brings about peace. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the seed whose fruit, here's how chapter three ends, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Next verse, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? So sometimes because of the chapter division, we don't put the two together. But what really is happening here is he is saying, here's the evidence of the wise. The fruit of it is the peace by which they bring about. And here now is when there's conflict and quarrels, here's the source of that. So he started with how do you know who's wise and the fruit Mm -hmm. of it, and then why is there conflict? So I think he's... Uh, as you said, dealing very practically with the question of relationships in our lives and how um, peace reveals wisdom and quarrels reveals adultery. And, and I know that uh, it's kind of interesting to stand in front of uh, hundreds of people and proclaim them all adulterers. Mm. Uh, but that's what the scripture did. So I wasn't. I didn't feel like I was being mean or stepping beyond what scripture says. He literally says to them, "You adulteresses." So, in other words, uh, he didn't know every single one of the people he was writing personally. Right. He simply knows what that every person, even though they've experienced the grace of God and have been restored to right relationship with God, they still have an affair with their ex. They they still. Um, act according to the sinful desires that have been paid that that they've been paid for by the cross and that they've been freed from by the power of the cross but they still go back they we still i still go back and that's adultery mm-hmm. i don't think i've ever studied this passage specifically in that way thinking mm-hmm. more so through conflict rather than the adultery issue that's clearly yeah, laid out that, here that's a, well, um, yeah, it's interesting because, and obviously I love Charles Ryrie, maybe some of you use a, a Ryrie study Bible. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the, the go-to Bible when I was first in coming out of Bible college. Um, he really breaks down the passage 
differently. And I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but what what helped me see was that just as the words that come out of my mouth are a reflection of what's in my heart, the desires that are ruling my life that are causing the wreck are also a heart issue. And so the heart issue uh, is adultery, spiritual adultery. There was a little, you know, I hope as people listened, uh, and they had physical marital adultery as part of their experience that it didn't it wasn't so traumatic to listen to so hard to listen to that they could not relate could not make the transfer to spiritually mm-hmm. uh, actually for those who have experienced it or committed it uh, physically in a marriage situation then i think they the possibility is that you experience even more the reality of of what this passage is saying, adultery, physical adultery, and a spiritual adultery does. Mm. But I, I, I was cognizant that it may cause such a, because that's a huge, obviously, not minimizing, a huge situation in a person's life that even where there's restoration, reconciliation, and restored man, there that's always there in a person's story. So very traumatic, I know. Hmm, for sure. Um, you know, earlier you were talking about how chapter three ended and then going into chapter four, that context is always so key when reading scripture. So question, um, when you were talking about drawing near to God, if I want to draw near to God, where do I start with reading the Bible? It seems so overwhelming. Yeah, good question. Um, it is overwhelming. It's a big book. And I think that as a person matures in Christ, they recognize that all Scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable. But at the beginning, when you're first starting out, that's not a person's individual experience, that Mm -hmm. you can start in Genesis and get to Exodus and Leviticus, and you can get to plenty of parts in Scripture that are difficult to find as helpful and profitable. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, this won't be novel, but to the person who asks, where do I start? The goal of drawing near, the, draw, the goal of reading the scripture, drawing near to the Lord so that I have ammunition against the enemy as well, is I would, I would always start in the gospel of John to get a clear picture of the claims and the promises of the person of Jesus Christ who is our Savior. So I would start with the Gospel of John. Now, that's if you're reading on your own. I appreciate a missions organization like New Tribes Mission Ethnos 360 now. uh, When they are introducing people to the Gospel, they don't start with Jesus. They follow the pattern of Scripture. They, They create uh, they start in Genesis to create an understanding of God and His holiness and His desire to be in relationship and what He has done to be in relationship with His people. So I appreciate that there is, when there's a teacher, a leader involved, mm-hmm. the unfolding story of redemption that has a culmination in Jesus. 
But when you are reading for yourself uh, and simply trying to draw near to God, I would start in the Gospel of John, learn about the person of Jesus. I would be inclined to spend some time in the Psalms because the Psalms are heart cries of real people in real-life situations crying out to a real God. So you'll relate oftentimes to the struggles of the psalmist. That's why it was very easy to go to Psalm 51 now and go, okay, here's a a man who was a man after God's own heart and his own prayer of confession to the Lord. So I'd start with the Gospel of John. I'd read some psalms. The... If I was going to read a first letter to – that would be in the New Testament, one of the letters to the churches, uh, I would probably actually start with something like James. I remember as a kid when I was first cultivating my relationship with the Lord, I fell in love with the book of James because I was never really confused what the text was saying. Now. Over time, I've learned more about what the text is saying. But even as a as a young person, a teenager, I could begin to get an understanding of what God was saying. So that that would be a kickstart. So if you finish John, the Psalms, and James, and are looking for what's next, go ahead and and email me, and I'll give you what to go from next. <laughs> the next step on there. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. when you're talking about a group, it made me think of Discovery Bible Study yeah. that's running right now on Thursday nights, where yes. they go through a section of Scripture mm-hmm. and just answer a series of questions, mm-hmm. and you learn to study Scripture with a group of people. And so right. it's it's a very and there's a there's select sorry mm-hmm. uh, there's select passages there, mm-hmm. and actually I believe they started in Genesis. Mm-hmm. And they will work because they, again, they pick chapters that will help get a picture for understanding the God of creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Thursday nights. Yes. <laughs> if yeah. you have any it'd, questions yeah, about that, be a good uh, process to jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a big portion of this being temptation and battling temptation, the uh, spiritual adultery for the person who is constantly battling the same temptation. So, yeah. whether it's anger towards a certain person, or what are some practical ways that you would say put these things in place? To help you, I know you in, went through some of those in in, in being aggressive against the yes. enemy. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, we have to be. Not every temptation is an equal temptation in mm. my life. Not every temptation is an equal temptation in the listener's life. So you have to be honest with what does tempt me. There was a time in my life where certain things tempted me that don't tempt me anymore. Sure. But because those things tempted me as a young person, some very specific uh, active things I needed to do was to recognize bad company corrupted, corrupted good character. So I needed to... Uh, I needed to sever some relationships with folks who the enemy would use. I didn't, I'm not calling them the devil, but the, that the enemy would use to lead me astray. So one of the hardest things for me as a, a teenager was recognizing I, I needed a new 
friend group because the guys who I had run with were not walking with the Lord, and I was not pulling them up. They were pulling me down. Mm. There's a time in life where where it's uh, appropriate, where believers are engaged with unbelievers for the sake of impacting them with the gospel, but oftentimes where there's a situation of specific temptation, some of those relationships need to be put off. Mm -hmm. The scripture always says for growth to happen, there needs to be a putting off and a putting on. So the putting off would be the putting off of some of the existing relationships. That was for me to deal with some of the difficulty of the same temptations for me. So the putting on was, uh, um, God has made us to be relational, so I couldn't just disconnect from one friend group, I had to cultivate relationship with another friend group. And so for me, that was a some specific, very important first steps. And, and that may be for a listener, um, you may be uh, engaged with some folks who are really putting you in a place, a bad place of temptation. Um, uh, this this may seem a little odd, but I do think I, I want to acknowledge that that the scripture says um, does not say the scripture says don't be drunk. The scripture does not say it's a sin to drink alcohol at all. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I think uh, sometimes. Folks exercise their freedom to continue to drink alcohol, but even though they may not, they may be short of drunk, there is an influence of alcohol that can make a difference mm. in poor decision making and in some of the actions that do bring about conflict and, or, and, um, relational wreckage. So I would actually say to uh, folks, it's probably time to put away any use of alcohol because there's a common denominator. You do stupid stuff when you're drinking, even though you may defend, well, I'm not drunk. I'm not sinning in that way. Your um, reasonabilities and your control is lessened. Your sensibilities are lessened. And so that would be another area that would be a specific application that, that someone might make if to deal with temptation. More susceptible because the alcohol has dulled your senses. Mm -hmm. Those are some things that come to mind. Yeah, very. Not sure if I answered the question or not. No, those are those are practical so no. things. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think you did answer the question. Okay. Um, one thing that comes to mind, I get, it always I think depends on the specifics of the situation or what the temptation is. There's probably some more specifics, but I know for me, one thing I've tried to do is I real recognize like in this situation, I seem to be triggered to respond in whatever way to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. And before even going into it, asking the Lord and begin that prayer uh -huh. um, in that situation, asking the Lord to change my heart and how 
um, I interact with this person and help me to love them as you love them. And so I think that awareness, one, the thank you, Lord, for bringing that to my attention, right. um, but then seeking his help even prior to being around the situation yes. has been something that's helped me when I'm Removing okay. yourself yeah. from the place of temptation. The other thing that you reminded in terms me of, of praying about some of these things mm-hmm. is, uh, and I know I've shared many times, but very impactful to me in Bible college was Robertson McQuilkin, president, saying at the time, he has never experienced in his life, never, that if he would pray in the midst of the temptation until the temptation ended, he would never sin. Now, I, that really, I was like, never sin. If not pray before, mm-hmm. but pray in the midst of temptation. And what I've learned myself is I may pray before and I may begin to pray in the moment, but then at some point stop praying before the temptation stops, and then I will sin. Mm-hmm. But if we will pray drawing near to God in the midst of the temptation and continue drawing near until... And temptation does come and go. It's not like constant all the time in my life. There's waves, if you will, and sometimes the waves are bigger than other waves. That if I'll pray for as long as the temptation is real and active in my life, uh, I will not sin. So that would be another practical application. Prayer is powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. I think it's easy to get busy or just think, oh, I'm just going to shoot up a prayer real quick and then move on. But it's that prayer without ceasing, you know, that Mm -hmm. it makes a difference. Uh, Did you ever have to change a friend group? Are you? I'm trying to think. I. I definitely had to change. I don't know if it was a group, but there I do recall in middle school there being friends that I stepped away from, mm-hmm. a friend or two that I stepped away from. Right. Yes. So we both went back to our teenage years, but uh, I don't want to. If an adult is listening, mm-hmm. for an adult to think, "Oh, that's just for, that's just a teenager decision," I think that's definitely. Uh, folks, adults who run oh, with a crowd that encourages sinful behavior and that temptation mm-hmm. to engage in the sinful behavior is going to continue until there's a, I've got a, I've got to separate myself for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's certainly something that applies as an adult as well. That's not something I've personally experienced as an adult, but mm-hmm. same is true as yeah. it would be for I think. So it's Father's Day. Do you have any favorite uh, memory of your dad? Um, I have a lot of fun memories of mm-hmm. my dad. Um, one of my favorite memories I have of my dad is growing up, we had these white chairs that I remember, very 70s looking. I was born in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> um, that he would sit in to study, whether it was studying scripture or studying for work. He was in the military. So anytime they had new... Um, fighters or jets, he had to know them inside and out. And so that was like his study chair, but it was also his chair where he studied scripture and he prayed. And so I remember waking up many times and seeing him in his fatigues in prayer huh. in that chair. So that's one that's super a cool special. picture. Yeah, it was a very cool picture that I will never forget. Um, a soldier it. fighting in prayer. 
and yes. his fatigues. Yeah. Spiritually. That's cool. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. And him leasing up his boots there and, you know, just different memories like that. Um, yeah. So many fun memories. My dad's pretty goofy. He's Mr. Fix-It though. So he's like served everybody I know in some uh. way just by serving, physically fixing things, which I benefit from a lot. Yeah. <laughs> which is a good great. trait to have. Yeah. yeah. I'd be interested to hear what your kids say. You should ask them today. Happy Father's Day, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, my son made me think about it. My son, Will, uh, texted me this morning and not just a, <coughs> excuse me, not just a, a happy Father's Day, <coughs> excuse me, but a, a specific paragraph of things that mm. he remembered in terms of doing things together. And it was, uh, it was just a reminder to me that um, presence isn't everything, but presence is a big part of, of being a dad, being present. And so uh, on this Father's Day, I just wanted to, to encourage dads who are listening that you would um, prioritize as the Lord gives you opportunity um, and your kids are of the age that you prioritize being present in their life. Um, I've often told my sons, make sure you know that the life I live now is not the life that I lived when you were children. Because uh, I have, now that our kids are all married and grown um, and having kids of their own, I have time in my life for hobbies that, that I simply put out of my life mm. during the years where the kids were young. Every moment of my life revolved either around what I did here for my work or what I did at my home. I never played uh, – I shouldn't say I never. I rarely t never played tennis during those early years until I could get them out on the court, even though that was frustrating. It paid off. <laughs> Uh, I rarely to never went fishing unless I could drag one, two, three, four, five, or six of them all along with me. And again, I'm not trying to say, hey, I was the home run dad. I was not the home run dad. I was saying that uh, and what I'm encouraging is the, the priority of being present, especially when your kids are young in their lives. What I regrettably often see as a pastor is uh, kids get older, they start wanting independence, and then parents want to step in hmm. and have relationship. And it's sad because when the kids wanted relationship, the dad really didn't want relationship. They're so young, nothing really matters. That's mom's work. So... Uh, they didn't want relationship when the kid wants it, and then it flips, and they want relationship when the kid doesn't want mm. it. So uh, here would be my encouragement. Engage in relationship when your child does want it so that they do want it again when you want it. You'll never be sorry for the minutes you spend with your kids. Absolutely. From quantity time yeah. comes quality time. Yes. <laughs> That's I've something I've that from you. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Happy Father's Day to all you dads and grandpas out there. Yes. And hope you have a great afternoon. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the CFC Jacks podcast. Be sure to watch as we release new teachings weekly, along with additional content during the week. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.cfcjacks.com. Thanks for listening.